Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Bet on Chicago. My name is Joey Christopoulos, and today's episode is presented by BetOnline.ag. Look, BetOnline remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season and every season. That's why you'll find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at BetOnline. BetOnline features live betting, free contests, and live scores, so what are you waiting for? It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite leagues and events, and if you go over there right now, you'll receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure you use promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive that reward bet online where the game starts ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for coming back into the pod so excited to have this guest back on it's been a little while but we're gonna get his take on a lot of different things going on because all the major sports have something in the headlines right now this is tell me a story i don't know's host and author soon to be author george offman <laughs> welcome george how are you good joey how you doing I'm wonderful. So great to have you back on the show. Uh, I think that's a perfect time, too, as well, because as I mentioned, there's so many different things going on. So let's just start it right here. Dealer's choice, George, um, of all the five major sports right now, which sports headline in Chicago sports right now is consuming most of your thoughts these days? The Bears, the Bears, the Bears, and the Bears. Yes. And then Patrick Kane for a day. And that's it. (laughs) Yeah. We'll get to Patrick Kane in a second. So, yeah, let's dive right into the Chicago Bears. Um, you know, the, we'll get to the Jalen Carter news in just a second. But, if you know, I wanted to get your perspective specifically on, you know, if you were in the seat of general manager Ryan Poles right now and you're looking at the landscape of how to, you know, utilize and maximize this number one pick, what are you prioritizing the most right now? That you need, A, a blue chip player this year. B, you need as many picks as you possibly can. Or the third option, you know, future capital, 2024 draft capital. Which one, if you had your choice, are you trying to prioritize the most? All of them. And on top of that, they have almost $100 million to spend, which they're not going to spend this year. They, they have the most capital there than any team in the NFL. So really, it is all of the above. They have the first pick in the draft. They're sitting in a catbird seat waiting for other teams who are going to want to trade for a quarterback. And there are several teams that are going to be in that category. Um, What I hate to see every day is a new, here's what's going to happen. Here's another scenario. The bottom line is they're in the best seat possible. Do they need blue chip players? Absolutely. And there are several of them in this draft. One of them, of course, Jalen Carter, who we're going to talk about in a minute or two. But one thing I can tell you almost certainly is they will not trade Justin Fields. At long last, that narrative has finally been put to bed. It had a good two-week run, right, George? It was a, it was oh, a, no, it was no, a it'll, one-hit it'll wonder. Continue. It'll you think continue. so? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's it, a lot. Listen, there are a lot of people who believe that this management is not sold on him because of his um, lack of passing prowess, in which I believe he has a ceiling, but I also believe that they can't take basically two steps back to take a giant leap forward because otherwise you're going to be spinning around and around like a hamster in a cage, which is what this organization has done when it comes to quarterbacks now for decades and decades and decades. Well, what do you believe, George? Do you believe that the Chicago Bears have bought in on Justin Fields or is this still a little bit of a wait and see because he does need to prove himself with his arm? 
Well, I mean, I think they're on the record as saying they're going to keep Justin Fields, you know, unless, excuse me, somebody blew them away. But the problem here is there isn't that what you would have to believe is that tremendous quarterback coming out of the draft. They already have a guy who has the potential as long as he has the necessary uh, people around him. And, you know, that's why they have to build in the trenches. Remember, he was sacked about as often as he ran last year, which was a lot. So they've got to work on that. And they've got to get, uh, you know, quarterbacks and defensive ends and receivers and yada, 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 a whole bunch of stuff that they really need. But I just do not see at the moment any scenario in which they trade their quarterback right now. It is such an interesting time to be a Chicago Bears fan. You look at this team, it's 3-14. and 14, But as you mentioned, they have so many holes to fill that it just starts to fulfill so many different hypotheticals and fantasies that a Chicago Bears fan can have. We plug in X, Y, Z, everything all over the place. And a big part of that is figuring out where the Chicago Bears are going to maneuver in this draft out of the number one pick. And I'm a big believer of trying to at least walk through and talk through some of the expectations of what if the Chicago Bears just stay at number one and select the best overall prospect in the draft. George, would you be on board with that? Would that be considered a failure on your part from the Bears organization? Would we see the Chicago Fire Part 2 from Bears fans if they just stay at the number one pick? Um, what would be your take on that? There's no problem if, you know, you know that your number one pick is going to be Will Anderson at the moment. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, he's mm-hmm. a he's a very, very good player. But they also know that they could trade down and still get Will Anderson and still get the player they want. So I doubt that they are going to keep the number one pick as long as they know that they're going to be able to get the player that they want. And I think that is a big reason why Chicago Bears fans need to realize that the compensation might not exactly look like it is in your head and in your dreams but the fact that they execute a pick out of the number one pick to get more capital may be more important in the long run. Let's move over to the players, George. Uh, Will Anderson, Jalen Carter, even before the news of Jalen Carter coming out, were you leaning maybe towards a preference with one player or the other, or uh, you maybe not, uh, you know, not a full opinion formed yet? Well, I mean, Jalen Carter is one of those guys who could be a generational talent. Um, and Will Anderson could be the same kind of player. You know, but Carter did come with red flags and then came the biggest red flag and his arrest. uh, And I believe he went right back to Indianapolis after that was said and done. This is a franchise that has basically said we are about character people. And he's a character only in a different sense of the word. A lot of people have said that if this is a veteran team, that they might take a chance on Carter, who could be taught the ropes by other veterans. I don't know how true that is, but the Bears don't have that. They don't have the luxury of having those players on their team right now who could look at a guy like Jalen Carter and put him in line. So I would be very surprised if they take him. But Mm -hmm. then again, you're innocent before proven guilty. So we have to see what the facts are all about. Right, and to provide just some some context here for those that might not be aware listening to this podcast, 
um, after the Georgia Bulldogs won the national championship, um, a player and a staffer on the team were involved in an accident that cost both of their lives, um, obviously driving above at high rate speeds. And it is coming out that an arrest warrant was issued to Jalen Carter, uh, a misdemeanor charge of reckless driving and perhaps allegedly racing with the people uh, that did eventually lose their lives this evening. And that's why he's in hot water right now. You know, George, isn't that a bit of the hypocrisy of the NFL, though, where if the Bears take Jalen Carter at four, um, they, he will, they will be criticized for possibly taking a, a person with character issues. But if the Eagles take him at 10, they'll get A++ pluses on their draft grades uh, the day after. Yes, but a lot of teams have done that. A lot of teams have succeeded and a lot of teams have failed in that situation. Only in the Bears case, they have uh, such a situation where they can't fail. This is where they have to succeed in this pick. And if you pick Carter and he becomes an issue during an off season or during a season and you fail, you're out. So that's why it's a bigger issue for them than perhaps maybe another team that certainly would like Jalen Carter. That's going to be a tough decision for them. And, you know, we'd like to see how this thing uh, fans out in the course of time now. But it's certainly one of those issues. And you're right. In the NFL, we've seen players who were taken in a draft who had issues and then suddenly became stars. And yeah, it's, it's unfortunately, and I think this, we see this in a lot of sports, you know, sometimes talent wins out over character. We'll see what the bears do. Yeah. Especially when you're trying to do that risk analysis, when you're a GM general manager, like Ryan Poles, you know, if you remember last year, he signed several free agents, you know, namely Byron Pringle that eventually were arrested in the off That's season. Right. right? Yeah. So he's not right. been afraid of bringing in character issue guys in the past, but then you do have to ask yourself, if you're Ryan Poles, the perception then, if you keep gambling on these guys and keep getting burned, you know, what does that say about you as a young GM? Well, but there is an issue, you know, between what Pringle did and, you know, oh, for sure. racing with a kid in his car as opposed to somebody leaving the scene of an accident in which two people died is very, very different. That's completely different. And um, I'm not going to compare it with uh, issues involving rape. That's awful. Okay, that's it's just as bad. So I'm not going to compare that with Pringle. So, like I said, this is this is one of those ongoing situations, and you know they're not going to have a whole lot of time to figure out whether or not they want to take the gamble. But remember, they have other players they can take, and in the case of Will Anderson, he is the complete opposite. This is a guy who's he's a class act from start to finish, and that could certainly help your franchise in many, many ways. Yeah, everything about Will Anderson kind of screams star right now. Mm -hmm. uh, I know that there's some, you know, there's some people like Mel Kuyper trying to put a ceiling on his possible talent, but it also seems like perhaps the safe bet. Um, the question will be then whether he goes to the Cardinals at number three and whether the Bears. I mean, George, is it fair to say that maybe the Bears are just better off just trading with the Texans? getting a little extra draft capital that checks that box, still possibly get the pick that they want of, of Will Anderson, Jalen Carter, whoever at number two, and, and, and perhaps calling it a day? Or would you, would you be okay with them even going back to seven, eight, nine, ten 10 in this draft? They could trade twice. Yeah, They have a lot of options. They could trade mm -hmm. twice down. That's, that's, the, that's the, the thing right now is they have that ability. And remember, there's a couple of veteran quarterbacks out there that some of these teams may sign 
albeit ones that are bad, like Houston, um, they're not about to do that. I'm not sure the Colts are going to do that. I think they want to go with a younger quarterback. So, I mean, like I said, I'm not going to get into what all this, all the scenarios, but they're in a catbird seat. And the Bears have never been there before. They've never been in that situation. Last one on the Chicago Bears, uh, Mr. George Offman here on on Chicago. You know, we, free agency is just a couple of weeks away. So many holes to fill. You know, if you had your pick at one place, defensive line, offensive line, running back, wide receiver, you know, which position do you think the Chicago Bears should target specifically in free agency? Their offensive line, that needs a lot of work. you got to protect your quarterback. I think they need two, if not three, offensive linemen. This is not a real good year for free agency. But you may be able to find the, some of those guys there. I think that that's going to be their biggest, that's their number one project, protect the quarterback. You're certainly going to want to look for a receiver or two. You know, this isn't one of those Rome was built in a day. Mm -hmm. Justin Fields isn't at the moment in comparison to some of the other young quarterbacks who developed quickly on a team that was already building. This was a team that made mistakes, particularly in drafting Mitch Trubisky. And then a few years later, well, they have to get rid of all those players and start over again. So this is a project that's going to take several more years. But if you're going to do anything, you want to make sure your quarterback um, isn't lying on the ground as often as Fields did. So protecting him, along with getting him a good wide receiver, a couple of good wide receivers, will at least allow the Bears to hopefully see that improvement in his passing game. And if it doesn't happen, oh, brother. That may be for a future episode. I don't even want to <laughs> shudder to think about uh, Justin Fields, uh, you know, possibly uh, having a down year next year and having to make a decision on him. We're just rooting that he becomes the quarterback with his arm that we've already seen with his legs and I believe his head and his heart too as well. Uh, let's move over to a different sport, a sport that doesn't normally fit into our podcast or our show, or I really think anyone's Chicago sports fans consciousness much these days as it has in years past. Uh, let's talk a little Blackhawks hockey. Patrick Kane made his debut with the New York Rangers last night, played 19 minutes of ice time, uh, didn't score a point, uh, was minus three on the scoreboard, but obviously I think he's going to help that Rangers team out a whole lot. Um, you know, what's what's kind of going through your mind a little bit? So much to think about when you think about Patrick Kane's career and this eventual end to it. Um, you know, how are you reflecting on Patrick Kane right now in a Blackhawks uniform and now he's in a New York Rangers uniform? Well, certainly he's a certain Hall of Famer, and uh, you could argue that he might just be the greatest Blackhawk of them all. But then again, I still lead on Stan Mikita because if Kane was here for a couple of more years, that would be also a no-brainer. This is what I call a lose-lose-lose situation, with the third lose being the most important lose. Mm -hmm. So you knew you were going to lose Patrick Kane, and it was evident that he only wanted to go to one team. So they had no leverage there. And by virtue of him only wanting to go to the Rangers, they had no leverage with the Rangers. And that's why they only got a second round pick conditional, depending on where the Rangers are. If they make it to the conference finals, uh, then it's a first round pick in 2025. Mm -hmm. So it's yeah. a second and fourth round pick. So that's a loss. But the Blackhawks win by losing. Ty Domi is now gone as well to Ty Domi. Max Domi, Max Domi. Ty's his yeah. dad. Um, <laughs> so he's got the two leading scorers. 
The object of this entire season by management was to tank, not by the coach. Remember, the Blackhawks recently won five games in a row, which wasn't good. Now they are in a position where they can possibly find themselves with the worst record in the league. Why? Because it gives them a higher percentage of getting the first pick in the draft. And the first pick in the draft would be unequivocally Connor Bedard, who is an absolute generational talent. There are several other players in this draft that are very, very good players that you wouldn't go wrong with, but you want Connor Bedard. And you can see some other teams are tanking, though I think it was last night, which it would have been Thursday, you know, the Blackhawks lost to a bad team. That's good. Yeah. I've never believed that bad was good, but in this case, it is. So that's why I call it a lose, lose, lose situation with the last loss being a game. Yeah. Three losses could perhaps equal a win for a Chicago Blackhawks franchise. Yeah. That's exactly correct. No, and, and that's what needs to be done, right, on Madison if the Chicago Blackhawks are ever going to become relevant again. if I, I might get it wrong, but I believe they have seven first-round picks coming to them in the next four years, something mm. along those lines. Uh, probably conditional, maybe. There's a couple conditions on that, obviously, with the second-round pick, Patrick Kane being one of them trying to rebuild through the draft a little bit. I mean, George, I, I'm just a little surprised, and I would love your perspective on um, this is not being maybe being a bigger deal. Is it because it was the fait accompli of where this Blackhawks organization has been going for so long that, you know, we all just figured Kane would leave at some point or when a legend like this leaves Chicago, it just, it just seems like it just would, you know, bring a little bit more on the Richter scale for me. It's not a hockey town. Yeah. It was a hockey town when they were winning Stanley cups. Disco died. Disco it's died six years it, ago. Yeah, it's just well, more than that. I mean, it was the yeah. last time they, you know, they won a cup was 2015 and they haven't been mm -hmm. close since it's a long time now. And so uh, that dynasty ended much earlier. And now, of course, Jonathan Taves, who was another guy at the beginning of the season, they thought they can get something for it. He can't play because of long term COVID. And so the, the question is, will he be resigned next year or will he retire? Um, but it doesn't get that kind of Richter scale amount in this city. Yes, he was a spectacular player, a tremendous player, but he was on the Blackhawks. And yes, it was a kind of fait accompli. However, people were watching and, you know, seeing where we don't wind up. And it was good that he wound up with another original six team. He looks good in that jersey, by the way. Um, and so, but now he's gone. And now the Blackhawks become completely irrelevant until the NHL draft. And if they get Connor Bedard, that may change situations a little bit because people will find out just how incredibly talented this guy is. That's why this is so important for this particular franchise. And, you know, you do at some point have to look at, you know, this new regime that the, that's running the Blackhawks right now and give them a little credit that if you are going to go to the bottom, um, you got to go there all the way right, to ensure that you get these generational players. Uh, there's another team that plays in that same stadium that decided to not go that route and keep a lot of their players. Um, and now, you know, a guy like a Victor Wembanyama or, you know what I mean, a guy like Scoot Henderson, you know, is such an improbable possibility for the Chicago Bulls right now. And, and you know, the I love Billy Donovan saying, you know, the integrity of the game is that we're going to try and win every single game. But, you know, this is this is chess and they're playing checkers. Right. And, and I think that's a little bit of a dichotomy going on with those two teams at the United Center. 
I don't think the Bulls thought they were going to be in this position. But at mm. the same time, when they brought in um, Vucevic, and then they brought in the other players like DeRozan, who I don't think anybody thought would have the year he had last year, um, I said then, and it stands true, they were good enough not to be good enough. This was not an NBA championship caliber team. And then Lonzo Ball goes down, and I will be very surprised if Lonzo Ball plays just a few more games and retires because of this very difficult situation with his leg. So you can't suddenly tank at the trading deadline. They, they weren't about to give away a whole bunch of players. Now the management is in a real trick bag. Vucevic is going to be a free agent. They brought in Patrick Beverly thinking he's going to take them to the playoffs, and I highly doubt it. You know, they are who they are, okay? They have defensive deficiencies, and they don't mesh well together. So now management's got major issues. What are they going to do next year? DeRozan is still with them. Are they going to trade him? Zach Levine signed to a long-term mega deal. He looks like he could be on his way out. So they're going to have to be in a rebuilding process. Only how are they going to rebuild if they still have these veterans around? Yeah. Um, you're, not, you're not getting you know, these top flight draft picks. You're not going to be in that position. I mean, you may be in the vicinity the way they are. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs, but you can't, you know, you're not, players aren't going to tank. The coaches aren't going to have, they, they have too much talent to tank. Let's put it that way. Yeah. It just never meshes. And so, you know, you play a, a really good team. You're probably not going to win because honestly, the bulls are the bulls and that's the way they've been all season long. Yeah. And you, I think the biggest point that you brought up is it just seems like that those players don't really enjoy playing with each other i don't think that there's a dislike among them as people as personalities but in terms of their personalities as players on the court you can just kind of see it like vucevic has already sort of had it with pat bev um you've already hear, heard him make a couple of comments you've heard the closed doors with you know DeRozan and levine it just seems like it's just a bad mix and and, and that happens and sometimes you have to look upstairs to the chemist that put it all together uh Karnasovis, and ask yourself you know what do you do with that moving forward right he's got a He's got a huge job. In the, in the case of the Blackhawks, we all know what they're doing. You know, in the case of the Cubs, we all knew what they were doing. In the case of the White Sox, we all knew what they were doing. Mm -hmm. They were rebuilding. The Bulls are kind of stuck in the middle. And when you're stuck in the middle, that's the worst place to be. And they're not even in the middle right now because they don't look like a playoff team. Yeah. Um, they've blown more major bleeds in the fourth quarter than teams I know against the Pistons the other night up by 21 and, and you know Detroit takes the lead if it wasn't for a, a Chris Weber brain cramp by a player who called a timeout with no timeouts less left in the last few seconds they might have lost that game mm -hmm. so Pat Beverly a Chicago native uh, a firebrand to say the least uh, was here to light a fire under this team but you know there's just not a lot of coal to light the fire for so yeah. you know you can keep trying to light the pilot light until it keeps going off and then you got to figure out okay what are we gonna do next that's that's yeah. 
That's a major problem for pools management. Yeah, and to finish it, you might freeze to death uh, if you don't figure it out, and, and you right. might find yourself out of a job. Uh, I got two more for you, George Offman here on Bet on Chicago. Um, the first one is: Look, it's still spring training, so it's pretty early. I'm not looking for proclamations or prognostications yet, but um, you know, for these two teams, the White Sox and the Cubs. I'll just ask you generally, will the entertainment outweigh the agony this year for these two teams watching them? Um, with the Cubs, I think they're going to be entertaining. They could be pretty good. It just depends. I mean, Suzuki could be out for the first month. Um, you know, that's that's a, a tough injury that he has. Uh, but they have, they have some good young pitching. They've added some good young players to that team. Um, it'll, it'll be an interesting situation to see whether or not they go out and, uh, sign Ian Happ and, and Nico Horner to long-term deals that remains to be seen. Uh, they've been down this road before, and I don't think they can afford not to keep them as for the White Sox. You know, it's almost like everything that can go wrong does. <laughs> and in the case of Mike Clevenger, that's a ugly situation. That's waiting to soon unfold to see whether or not um, you know, the commissioner is going to uh, suspend him for this incident in which he says, I'm, you know, it's completely wrong. I'm innocent. I never harmed my wife or my child. Uh, she, she begs to differ. Uh, and then, of course, they don't have Jose Abreu anymore. And they've got a whole bunch of players from Robert and Moncada and Anderson who have to have much better seasons. Uh, so they come into this season, albeit with a new manager, thank goodness Tony LaRusso is gone, but they come in with a lot of question marks, but much more, a lot of public relations nightmares. And so I can't tell you, uh, they, they should be a better team than 81 and 81, but that remains to be seen. I mean, the Cubs could wind up with a better record than the White Sox. Oh, that's totally possible. And for the Chicago White Sox, I'm with you. I think that the variance of where their season can go is so wide open and wild that, you know, I could see them trading some guys at the deadline. And as you mentioned, I can see them competing in the division. And, you know, a lot of guys have some bounce back years or not even bounce back. I mean, if Yon Makata hits 250 this year, I mean, it's a market improvement from what he was putting out there on the field last year. In terms of the Chicago Cubs, I'm I'm really I'm really intrigued, George. And you've watched a lot of baseball um, in your time, and I, I'm just really kind of curious if you could lean one way or the other. You know, I'm looking at the Chicago Cubs, and I really like the depth in the pitching. It's young pitching, it's inexperienced pitching. Don't get me wrong, but I do think it's pitching that can possibly compete. They can throw a lot of different guys at you, which I do think on a day-to-day -day basis will be helpful. I see a team that can also catch the baseball. I can see a team also that has a lot of guys with a lot to prove that seem to, that seems to have the right kind of personality mix a little bit. So do you think I'm onto something where the Chicago Cubs team, you mentioned entertaining, could actually really truly compete in the NL Central? Or am I, you know, sometimes you think all these things up in spring training and when they start playing the games, they're a three-run three home run short on a nightly basis, right? And they're losing four to one, you know, four to two. Um, you know, do you think the power, the power numbers are really going to hold the Chicago Cubs back? Or do you think that they possibly have enough to, I don't know, hang around, compete, you know, make, make things interesting this summer? Well, I think they've increased their power a little, but not a lot. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they lost Wilson Contreras, who's now with the Cardinals. Do I think they can compete? Maybe. I, I just, you know, young pitching staff, yes, somewhat inexperienced yet. Um, some guys, 
you know, showed their stuff last year, thanks to injuries to veterans. So, uh, you know, that it all depends uh, on a lot of factors, to say the least. But they have a reasonably good lineup as long as Suzuki is back there and healthy. And that's really crucial for them. It's going to be interesting because I think he gained like 20 pounds of muscle. And who knows if that contributed to his injury. We kind of know it did, did, right, George? We've seen this before. The guys bulk up and then they pull a hamstring or they pull an oblique. I mean, this is the oblique is the oblique is just like, you know, that's like a hamstring. It it takes six to eight weeks, Mm -hmm. you know, before that thing can heal. I remember Carlton Fisk once having one of those. It took three months to heal. So they certainly they're going to be, I think, a, a better team than they were last year. Whether they can compete against the Cardinals and Brewers, yes, the National League Central isn't exactly what you call a strong division, but uh, we'll see as the season goes on. Anyhow, you know, Kyle Hendricks is still rehabbing and may not be back here till May. And he's the lone holdover from this club when Joe Madden was managing it, you know, in the late uh, 2010s. Yeah. So it remains to be seen. I mean, but I think they will be an interesting team to watch. Back to the White Sox. Remember, they lost their closer. You know, Liam Hendricks right now is dealing with uh, with a cancer situation, and he might not pitch this year. And if he does, it may not be until August or maybe September. You lost a lockdown closer. That's another issue for them. So but both teams are wait and see. But then again, that's kind of been the case here for a long, 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 long time for me. Yeah, that's going to be an interesting X factor for the Chicago White Sox. You know, if we remember correctly, Kendall Graveman, I don't think was really allowed to pitch on back-to-back days, which means can Garrett Crochet possibly take over the bullpen role? You're going to be moving a lot of guys around in that back end. Can Joe Kelly bounce back? You know, all Mm -hmm. the offense in the world for the Chicago White Sox. No one likes to talk about the bullpen, right? Or no one likes to talk about defense with teams. And those are two things that the Chicago White Sox, that might hold them back. They're better now. They're better defensively because I I agree. You know, they moved, they moved uh, uh, Vaughn to first base. Mm-hmm. Uh, as long as Sheets isn't out there, I think they ranked last and next to last in defensive efficiency. So, you know, that's something that you want to make sure you don't have. Um, and they brought back their the shortstop who they had for a short time last year is going to be playing second base. So that'll help them defensively as well. I think they will be a better defensive team. And we'll see whether or not their manager, Grafal, is able to do what Tony Larissa couldn't do. And that was kind of put that all together. But then again, injuries and players who had off seasons, if they have what are expectation seasons, they will be better. Final one for you, George Offman, here on Bet on Chicago. Um, there is going to be a wonderful thing that you can hold in your hands coming very soon. Uh, with Tell Me a Story I Don't Know, the famous podcast um, that continues to bring on fantastic guests. I want to talk about that in a second, but just really quick, your latest guest, or if, if excuse me, and forgive me if it wasn't your latest guest, but you just had Joe Madden on. Um, can you just talk a little bit, give us the our audience a little bit of a teaser of what that conversation was like? Um, I think he's a legendary figure, uh, personality mm-hmm. in Chicago sports history. Uh, talk a little bit about that experience. Well, I mean, you know, you only have so much time and there's so much to talk about. I read his book and it's quite interesting to say the least. Um, Joe talked about his time here. He also talked about being managed by management, which is something that's in the book. Um, And he talked about leadership, which I thought was very interesting. 
Joe Madden never met an interview in which he didn't like to talk. And he loves to talk. And he was wonderful in the interview. And he was really wonderful while he was managing this team. They did quite well. You know, um, you know, five straight playoff appearances, three uh, NLCS and one World Series championship. Uh, I'm not sure if Joe's going to get hired again. I think the book may be a drawback for him. But, mm. you know, in the, I don't know, 40 minutes that we, we had, he was wonderful and got into a whole bunch of, of issues and stuff about his career and where it's going next. And, and part of that reasoning, George, is that because of his criticism of analytics and upper management and yes, the want right. of uh, baseball in general trying to get their the, – the front office trying to get their fingers on the field. It's, I, I think this, the issue is not similar to, but in the case of Ozzie Guillen, who is going to be leading off our season eight, uh, Ozzie's not going to get a job because Ozzie is Ozzie and teams are afraid of hiring his type of personality. In the case of Joe, he's 69 years old. Okay, we've seen Dusty Baker still around in the game. Jack but McKeon. I think, <laughs> well, that's that's back then. Tony LaRusso, you know, rehired yeah. age 76. But that may be a drawback for teams as well. I mean, he's a smart manager. But, uh, yeah, that criticism, I think, will have teams stepping back. They already did this year. And I'm, I'm pretty sure he knows that the book will probably limit his ability to get a a job as a manager uh, as far as being in management who knows if that'll happen such an unbelievable run with the cubs and then javi Baez breaks his thumb they lose nine games in a row and all of a sudden everyone wants him out of town i guess that's just uh i guess that's just the way it goes in sports sometimes uh but tell me a story i don't know is coming out with a book a book series a collection of all your your best your greatest all the wonderful guests that you've had um, on the podcast the last several years uh, can you tell our audience a little bit about it? Can you tease maybe when it will be available? Um, and that's that's really exciting. And for me, for a person that still loves, I mean, I grew up with newspapers and everything. I mean, that feels like a Christmas list, like waiting to happen, right? That that's. I, I, that... I hope it. I hope it's out by Christmas. Uh, yeah. Okay. My Triumph books I actually have to have the manuscript in in less than two weeks. It's done. There's 48 different vignettes out of the hundred interviews we did. And uh, not just transcription, there's a lot of writing on my part. And I think people will enjoy uh, reading. A lot of people haven't heard the podcast, but I think they'll enjoy reading about some of these very, very interesting characters and guests and some of these wonderful stories that they have. Some are just one story, some are two stories, but that's where the limit is. Um, and I've had a great time writing it. I'm editing it as we go along before the editor gets out the red pen and says, no, 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 no. We got to change this, this, and this. And uh, they claim it'll come out in the fall. I'm looking forward to that. It's been really a, a fun uh, way of uh, letting the public know what Tell Me a Story is all about. And the toughest part is picking 48 out of 100. I mean, right. I could have written about any of them any of them, all of them, but, and who knows, maybe the book is a bestseller and we write about the other 48 uh -huh. or 40, who knows? I don't know, but it's, but it's been a, a joy that doing the podcast is a joy. I mean, we have another season that's coming up. That's almost booked. Um, and I'm sitting here, you know, waiting to do more interviews and you know, that's, that's kind of what it is. It's a game of chase. I keep mm -hmm. chasing after people. And finally they say, okay, let's do it.
<laughs> well, George, congratulations. Um, I remember, and, and before we just hop off the podcast, I mean, I just have to tell you how grateful I am. Um, you know, you've been coming on my show now for, I think we're coming up on maybe two or three years when you first started telling me a story, I don't know. Um, right. And now you've got multiple seasons, you've got a book coming out. Um, I'm so excited for you and congratulations again. I mean, the, the quality of guests that you bring on um, is unparalleled, truly. And I truly hope Michael Wilbon leads the book, right? Or he'll probably be upset uh, if he's not the first story in that book. But... He's the first one. He's the first one I wrote. Uh, right. There but, you then, go. but then we got to figure out how this is all going to be placed in chapters. That's yeah, where do you fit Marvin? Where does Marv Albert go? You know what I mean? Like you got to kind of pace it out, right? There's, yeah, there's a lot of people here that uh, we haven't even come to the conclusion of just how that's going to work. It just can't go, uh, you know, hurdy-gurdy. We want to yeah. kind of put people in maybe six or seven in one category and six or seven in another category. That'll be up to the editors. It's, you know, this is a first time process for me. And, you know, you say you get a manuscript in by mid-March, then it takes them another six months plus before the book is even out. And then there's the publicity, and then I'm trying to sell the book, and uh, it'll be fun, though, I'll tell you that. But here's the thing, George, is you've been doing this for decades, and you are still going through new terrain. Like, I find yes. that so, I find that really inspiring, truly, Listen, from the bottom of my heart. I'm still trying to get back into radio. This is technically the, my 50th year in the industry. And I've got a lot, I have still a lot to give, you know, yeah. I, I'm, I'm 69 years young, even though I looked in the mirror this morning and I saw that my wrinkles now have wrinkles. I mean, this is a bad thing to have, but you got to work around it. You know what I mean? Yeah. At some point you just got to stop counting. Well, no, I, I yeah. think, uh, <laughs> I, I, I think it's, it's unbelievable. I think it's fantastic. And, and truly George, you know, a couple of years ago, I remember hitting you up and uh, you took a chance. You said, yes, you came on to my show. Uh, I'll never forget that generosity and that chance that you took to come on. Uh, and I'm so proud and thankful because it gave me uh, the confidence and courage to reach out to other people, continue doing the show and continuing to get better at what I'm trying to do. So congratulations. And thank you so much for coming back on Bet on Chicago. It's great to see you. Same here, Joey. Thanks so much. Today's episode of BetOnline.ag was presented by, or <laughs> excuse me, today's episode of Bet on Chicago Brought to you by BetOnline.ag. We're one in the same. Promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Thanks so much for tuning in. Plenty more to come. Plenty more to talk about in Chicago sports. Until then, be well, be safe. Please be good to each other. And remember, when in doubt, always bet on Chicago. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.